1: Welcome to the Viking Age podcast. This is let's let's restart it right there. I got got a little tripped up there. Got too many things on my desktop, but let's try it again. Live uh, YouTube right here. Welcome to the Viking Age podcast, the official podcast of TheVikingAge.com. We do this every Monday and Thursday night, 6.15 p.m. Central Time, right here on the Viking Age YouTube channel. If you miss it, we got you covered in podcast form the next day on Apple and Spotify. But however you listen, make sure you're liking, subscribing, giving us a good review, because we never want you to miss a new episode. My name is Chris Chad. I'm a contributor at the Viking Age, as well as Zone coverage to bring me the news. Once again, my co-host, Adam Patrick, has decided to slack and take the day off. But don't worry, I got you covered because we brought in a special guest for the day. His name is Trevor Squire. He writes for the Vikings at heavy.com. It's heavy on Vikings is the name of the website. Welcome to the show, Trevor. Yeah, thanks for having me, Chris. Um, So let's get to know you pretty quick because I, I just want to know, for starters, how did you get into this sad, twisted reality of becoming a Vikings fan?
2: Well, I mean... I don't think many people choose that. You're you're obviously born born into it as a Minnesotan. Yep. So uh, yeah, you know, uh, I was I was born and raised like an hour north of the Twin Cities. Um, obviously, Moss era was kind of like right around the time I started getting interested into football. Um, I was thinking back to just like how my Minnesota sports fandom and the heartbreak started with the Wild winning two game sevens, and then uh, yeah. Dropping four four straight games to the Anaheim Ducks Western Conference Finals yeah. next year. Timberwolves suffer the same fate, um, and you know at that point you're just kind of hooked. And uh, yeah, since then uh, I've kind of followed the team slowly but surely. And then I think uh, you know leading up to like the Brett Favre era, that's what you know really, uh, really just kind of where everything stuck for me. And you know since then it's kind of just been a little bit of an obsession, I'd say.
1: You know, it is funny you say that because uh, I was on Mackie and Judd for Write That Down yesterday and they asked me, they're like, so when did you become a Minnesota sports fan? I'm like, well, my mom was uh, stuck to a hospital bed in 1986 on a snowy day and forced to watch Jack Nicholas win the Masters. Uh, she doesn't like golf. That's the uh, <laughs> funny part about all that. But um, yeah, I mean, basically you're born into it, uh, you know, you go to games, you watch all the teams, I guess. I'll ask this too. What is your favorite Vikings moment uh, so far as a fan? Um, I mean it's it's got to be
2: the miracle. Like that yeah. was, uh, yeah. I mean nothing words can't describe it. Like that's just one of those points where like everything in your head just kind of like turns off and you're just like just reacting. Like I, I'm I'm a very like measured person watching sports. Being a reporter, I've covered I covered high school sports for over a decade. So, you know, I'm, I'm out at games, can't really be showing a lot of partisanship like that. And I'm, I'm just there to watch sports. I want to I want to see good plays happen. And then when something like that happened, like that part of my brain completely turned off <laughs> and I was just like screaming and shouting with friends. You know, it was uh, it's very rare to get that kind of reaction out of me. So I'd say that's be my my top Minnesota sports moment for sure.
1: See, I was at that game, too, and we've had our rewatchables Uh, obviously, where we went through and talked about some old games. Uh, Me delivering a Roman Reigns spear to my friend at U.S. Bank Stadium was probably the highlight of the play, but a ton of good moments. I mean, you obviously have, you know, everything that happened until Gary Anderson missed in 1998, the Brett Favre touchdown pass, all of those good things, and hopefully the Vikings have a couple of good ones coming into this season, but uh, I don't think they'll be happening at center. Because some news broke today that J.C. Treader not only is retiring, but he revealed that he wanted to play for the Vikings. So fans obviously have begged for the Vikings to sign Treader this offseason as a replacement for Garrett Bradbury. They said maybe it was his knees. Maybe it was uh, his position as the NFLPA players rep. But according to the Sports Illustrated Report, J.C. Treader called the Vikings and the Vikings never called back. He wanted to play with the Panthers. He wanted to play with the Cowboys. And he wanted to play the Vikings because he cheered for them as a kid. Minnesota never returned the call. So I'll start here. What do you make of JC Treder calling the Vikings and essentially getting ghosted? I mean, it's it's been
2: the story the whole off season. Um, the new regime obviously was banking on Bradbury, and you know, three weeks into training camp, they came to the same conclusion. A lot of fans have so you know, for the longest time, it's just been like, why hasn't Trader been signed? Why hasn't Trader been signed? And um, obviously the Sports Illustrated article, because we had reports that he was interested that the the, the short list um, quote, you know, I, I think Phil Mackey had that had that scoop a while back this summer. And um, yeah, you know, after this Sports Illustrated article, I think it just kind of came to surface that as much as the interest was out there, it just wasn't reciprocated on you know, many teams and including the
1: Vikings. Yeah, he was the second highest rated blocker, according to pro football focus last year. So it's not like he was washed on the field, but I read this report and I kind of thought about the other teams are involved, the Panthers and the Cowboys. And from most accounts, it sounded like nobody called him. Nobody brought him in for a physical. Nobody did any of that stuff. So, I mean, I don't know if the PA thing had to do with it or Maybe it was his knees. Maybe people were just a little, little bit leery about that. But I think that, you know, this was a league-wide decision. But, and I think what Vikings fans should be angry about is not that the Vikings didn't call back J.C. Treder. They didn't provide any competition for Garrett Bradbury. In the third round, they had a chance to pick from a ton of centers, a ton of interior linemen, and they decided on Brian Asamoa who's basically a luxury linebacker pick do you think the Vikings should have saw this coming and brought in more competition for Garrett Bradbury?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, just kind of with the, the budget veteran signings that they make every year and, you know, nothing against Chris Reed, nothing against Jesse Davis, but these interior linemen who have some center experience, like I would just like to see them make a move with someone who is like a center through and through and they didn't do it in free agency. They didn't do it in the draft. Um, you know, I've I've literally came to the like the idea of like, why not just throw Wyatt Davis out there at center? See what happens. Like just we need something to happen at
1: this point. And that's how dire it seems at center. It's almost like they shifted everything over to center that we were fearing about right guard, because honestly, it's so weird. I feel comfortable at right guard right now. Like with Ed Ingram in there, I'd like what I've seen. He needs a little bit of work. I mean, J- Javon Kinlaw bullied him for a sack last week, but he's a rookie. That stuff's going to happen to rookies. My biggest concern is Garrett Bradbury getting blown away by the wind or, you know, Kenny Clark getting hauled out of U S bank stadium. Cause he just murdered him in week one. I, I mean, the first two weeks alone are just a gauntlet because you got to go against Kenny Clark in week one, uh, Kevin O'Connell mentioned it himself, like teams are going to look to target him. And that's why he gets so many one-on-one matchups. So you might see a guy like Rashawn Gary going after Garrett Bradbury, much like the Vikings are going to do with Neil Hunter and Zadarius Smith. And if Garrett Bradbury survives that game, he's going to go to Philadelphia and he's got to take on Jordan Davis, who is just eater of worlds for the Eagles so far during camp. So, I mean, with a quarterback like Kirk Cousins, who does not move from his spot, like, He is Ron Burgundy of the NFL. It's like the, I will say what is in the teleprompter. Like you need to have everything correct. And I kind of see what uh, Kevin O'Connell said at the combine that he's really athletic. He's great in the run game. He can do all of these things. But at the same time, you just have to know, like sometimes, you know, what you think has to be mired with results on the field. And Gary Bradbury has been one of the worst centers in the league, according to pro football focus.
2: Yeah, I mean, and it's, it's a tough spot because when we look at the PFF metrics and things like, I mean, and you don't need the metrics to see that he's getting run over in pass protection. But on the other end, he's a good run blocker. It seems like we're still going to be committing to a wide zone running scheme. Dalvin Cook is like going to be a feature in this offense. And on top of that, there's the intangibles of Bradbury being like a good communicator with the line and having the most experience in chemistry. So, you know, I just... No matter how this this training camp turned out, which is it's sounding like one of his worst training caps of his career. I'm just wondering how committed they were to the beginning with him and just they're biting the bullet this year. And, you know, maybe maybe they're they're thinking
1: about a two year plan with Kirk as well. Well, I mean, if the Bradbury thing goes south, at least they'll get use out of their brand new punter. Right. (laughs) That'll get Viking fans excited. Um, I am a little bit disappointed though. Are, are you a little bit sad that we're not getting a punt off during Saturday's game? Um, it, it,
2: you know, it was, uh, it may have been one of the only reasons I've been tuning in this far into the off season <laughs> and us kind of knowing all the things that are certain so far with the roster makeup. It was, it was kind of the left, the last question mark left there. So I, yeah, no, no punt off, uh, ticket prices are, are, are just tanking right now. Like it's going to
1: be it's going to be an empty stadium. I'm sure a lot of fans feel the same way. Just bring your like uh relative that doesn't like football very much. Like, hey, you ever want to go to a Vikings game? OK, well, who's playing? And don't worry about it. You know, yeah. Um, I, I think it was hilarious that Chris Thomason coined it as a punt off. And Matt was like, yeah, sure. Punt off. Yeah, whatever, man. Like it sounds I, like a London game. I mean, oh, yeah. like, I, w- I would love if people actually embraced
2: it like fully just screaming and cheering every kick every opportunity there is
1: a kick don't like, put would, any be fun don't put anybody else on the field just have the two punters one like high noon but like one's at 120 yard line and one's at the other um anyway let, let's talk about the new punter because the vikings cut jordan berry on thursday wiping out all of our dreams for a punt off uh, Barry had a career high 46.5 yards per punt last season. His net was 41.9, though that was 14th among all punters last season and 11th among punters with at least 35 punts. That's what Tommy Townsend had uh, for the Kansas City Chiefs. He led the NFL in net yardage last season. But Wright's got a leg too. He had a career average of 44 and a half yards per punt during his career at Tulane, had 47 and a half yards per punt during his senior season last year. I, of all the positions where I thought there was going to be a major change punter was very low on my list were you surprised they made this move yeah i mean it's
2: frankly it's just not a position where i feel like you want to bank on a developmental guy it just seems like if you have if you have consistency that's not a liability like why why fix something that's not broken and so yeah i was i was very especially you know before the game i thought you know, maybe we'd actually see the punt off and then the, a decision we made, whether we go with with Wright or, or Barry, who's it's like a proven NFL veteran. He's I think he's tied for first in most punts inside the 20 for the Steelers. Mm-hmm. Now, that was that was mostly because of how long he had played there. He's like nine years, eight or nine years in Pittsburgh. So it's like that's just consistency that if if it were my team, I would I would kind of feel like why 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 change it? But Obviously, they see something and write. And I can't begin to tell you the you know the nuances of punting, but I do trust, I do trust the new special teams coordinator quite a bit.
1: I really like Matt Daniels just watching him at the podium, mm-hmm. the way he commands a room, uh, the way he kind of talks and empowers his player. He's empowering kickers. He's talking about Greg Joseph, and he's like, this man sitting on the best year of his career, and like all Vikings fans are like, yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, sure. We'll we'll see what happens in, like, January. But, I, I mean, the way that he's kind of instilled, like, special teams matter on this team. Because I don't think Mike Zimmer did that. I, I think it was all about the defense. And if you were on offense, if you were on special teams, you didn't matter in the grand scheme of things. I like what they're doing. Um, the whole young punter thing kind of scares me for two reasons. One, it's it's kind of funny when you think about it. Because Quacey's talking about competitive rebuild, and he was like, Where's the rebuild? Well, we got a young punter. We got a rookie. Come on. <laughs> we're building for the future here, guys. Let's let, let's go. We got 47-year-old Adam Thielen on our roster. But, I mean, uh, you know, outside of that. But I'm a little bit concerned about the holding position on field goals. Because Greg Joseph was having a tremendous camp. He was pretty damn good last season, all things considered. Everybody just wants to talk about the miss against the Cardinals. But the way they kind of have played musical chairs with those three positions over the past couple of years, I was excited to have some continuity there. And now you mess with one thing there. Like, is that a concern for you? Or do you think that's kind of overblown?
2: Per, I, I, it's, it's a concern for me personally, but then when Daniel says, Oh, I asked Greg Joseph, how, how are these guys holding? And he showed no preference for it. You know, like I, and again, I, I trust Daniels in this situation, but um, you know, I, I think that's kind of how we saw the demise of Dan Bailey a little bit. They, they made, they made some mid season cuts for his holder and you know, suddenly there's just all these changes abound. He gets a case of the yips and never recovers. And we end up cutting, cutting weight with Dan Bailey, who's like one of the consistent, most consistent field goal kickers like past like 10 years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, hopefully, uh, hopefully you won't see the same thing happen with Greg Joseph. He's, he seemed to have a very good off season. So that's encouraging, especially after how he, uh, he worked himself
1: out of a a little bit of a rut earlier last season. If you want to look at how bad kickers were during the Mike Zimmer era, take into consideration, Dan Barrett Bailey was one of the most accurate kickers of all time. When he came to Minnesota, I think he was a high eighties kicker only made 75% of his kicks and that, uh, Tampa Bay game in 2020 is just going to be burned into my brain for all eternity. And and I mean, part of it, yeah, it was the personnel, but it was also Mike Zimmer kind of metaphorically standing on the sidelines with a shotgun. Every time somebody missed like Daniel Carlson, who uh, we might talk about here in a little bit, like that's just kind of how it was. It was just, if you don't make this kick, you know, we'll bring in six punters or six kickers to, try and replace you, and I think the fact that they're going with this young punter because they do see something with him, I, I think it's encouraging, and I think it's another step forward for the special teams unit.
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, th- I think the biggest thing with like the regime change is they're just trying to, you know, bring a little bit of breath of fresh air there. Barry, I mean, Barry's been around as long as Joseph, so there, as much as we want continuity, there's nothing that's been super entrenched. And I mean, you know, right seems to have a cannon for a leg and that may, that may benefit in the long term, especially with this team that's not planning to punt, but if they do find themselves in those situations where, you know, they're not comfortable going for it on fourth, then they'll have a, you know, someone who can just
1: flip the field for them. I got to ask the important question about the punter before we move on. Are you upset that he's wearing 66? I love it. I wish, I wish it's, I wish it could stick. He has,
2: to, he has to change his number if he's gonna make the 53 man roster. I feel like uh I feel like an uh, equipment manager, you know, like rookie minicamp's equipment manager just like looked at him, they're like, Oh, he's like a he's a pulling guard or something. Just throw <laughs> throws a sixty-six jersey on him. And uh and and he's just been stuck with it ever since. But uh, you know, th- maybe that's some incentive for him to uh to play well on Sunday. And, you know, I'm not sure what his favorite number was in college, but He'll, uh, he'll have to change to a single digit or one through 19. Right.
1: Yeah. Uh, Well, I, I don't know if the whole number thing exists anymore because like anybody can wear any number they want. I mean, Dalvin Cook's wearing four, Patrick Peterson's wearing seven. So I don't, I don't know if that's still a thing. Um, I, it reminds me of Randy Moss when he got to new England and they were talking about how, you know,
0: particular valued resources may vary by geography more info available at heftyrenew.com save big on brunch for mom all in the kroger app get 16 ounce packs of flavorful angus 90% lean ground sirloin for 4.99 each with a digital coupon then buy two get two free on 12 packs of delicious coca-cola pepsi or 7-up all with your card shop these deals at your local kroger today or tap the screen now to download the kroger app to save big today kroger fresh for everyone Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.
1: 81 was taken, or I think 84 was taken and 18 was taken. So they're like, well, what number do you want? And Randy Moss told the equipment manager, just give me a number. I'll make the damn number. So he's running around there with the number six in minicamp. Eventually he switched to number 81 with the Patriots. But it's just kind of the funny things you see. I saw 66 on, uh, uh, on Saturday and I was just like, what is trick play? What, what What's happening here? They're, they're pulling a guard from ponder. This is amazing. But anyway, um, speaking of nondescript players, Kevin O'Connell says there is a competition at backup quarterback, even though they just traded for a backup quarterback. Of course, the Vikings traded for Nick Mullins on Monday. Kellen Mond and Sean Mannion have done Kellen Mond and Sean Mannion things this preseason. So, um, you know, I, I'm kind of bringing this up because Kevin O'Connell did say that we're just trying to add a good player to our roster. We're trying to be a better football team.
2: There's no competition here, right? No, there's there's zero. You know, there there's the idea that maybe uh, Sunday is a tryout for uh, for Nick Mullins, and he he already won his tryout. That was uh that was the big, that that was the Raiders uh, Vikings preseason opener. He played yeah. well there. The Vikings liked what they saw and they signed him. He doesn't have to prove anything because if all goes well, knock on wood, he will never have to play. Kirk mm-hmm. will play every game this season besides week 17, because the Vikes won't need to play in a meaningless game. Fingers crossed. But uh, yeah, you know, like there, he doesn't need to be like brought up to speed or like show a, a mastery of the playbook at this juncture. He can, he can sit back Read things in, continue to show what he can do in practice, which seems like that's what the Vikings have been doing all along with the starters.
1: Yeah, I, I think I'm not really sure if Mullins is even going to play just because he doesn't know the playbook too much. It would probably be nice to get him some live reps because you, you know, you don't want him going in cold Turkey. If you do want him playing in week 17 or 18 or heaven forbid, Kirk cousins gets hurt. Um, I, I mean, if you, if, you are fine with Kellen Mond and Sean Mannion. You don't trade for this guy. And and, I mean, he's a guy that has experience starting and he's a guy that gives you a non-zero chance to win a football game. Watching Kellen Mond and Sean Mannion average around four yards per attempt on Saturday, something needed to be done. And I mean, the move isn't like, oh my God, we got Nick Mullins. But it's something that makes me a little bit more Comfortable with the position if Kirk goes down or he suffers a free injury, gets COVID, whatever that might be. So, I mean, even if he doesn't play, I'm not reading too much into it, but I think the real competition is probably between Kellen Mond and Sean Mannion for that third spot. If that's the case, who do you think is the odd man out there?
2: I mean, I think, I think Mond, uh, I mean, I think Sean Mannion is the odd man out. I think Mond is a little more in favor of the new regime. Um, You know, Mannion is essentially a player coach out there. And I mean, I could, I could see where they might release him and just hire him on as some sort of specialist on staff. And, you know, might be a a little bit of like, there's more, there's more to save on the salary cap as well with Sean Mannion. So I just think like, what is there to lose and gain? Sean Mann has this intangible, like, you know, study relationship with Kirk Cousins where Mond is still our you know our only future option at quarterback beyond 2024 being under contract through there so you know I think uh I think Mannion's the guy who who has to you know get to stepping
1: I think the first thing you have to look at is that this regime did not draft Kellen Mond they didn't take him in the third round it was just kind of a Asset they had when they came to training camp, I I don't want to call him an asset, but, but you know what I mean? It it, they had this young quarterback that they said, Hey, maybe we can get something. And and you explore that Avenue. You try and develop him, try and do things the way, you know, because for all we know, he was basically locked in a broom closet for his entire rookie year and never saw the light of day until that series in green Bay. I think that Mond has more upside. Like if you go down five years, maybe Kellen Mond's a better quarterback, but we haven't seen anything that suggests that he's ready to play in the NFL, that he'll eventually make that leap. And if I'm another team, I'm not going, yeah, let's stick him on the 53 because I I don't think he's ready for it. I think if best, he's maybe a quarterback three. I mean, Judd Zolged, I know had that take, but, um, I would try and get Kellen Mann on your practice squad. And if somebody claims him that that's the way it goes. Uh, I'm not a big fan of Sean Mannion, but he's a guy that Kirk likes. Like you said, uh, he brings the cookies and, you know, milk to study sections or whatever it is. Maybe, you know, a case of Coors Light. Although uh, I don't know, Kirk looks like kind of a weird craft beer kind of guy <laughs> in, in my opinion. But um, yeah, I, I mean, I think Sean Mannion's going to win that third. I think some Vikings fans will kind of gripe at that, but I I prefer Mannion as a third quarterback as opposed to a second. Cuz if you go to your third anyway, you're you're just screwed. There there is no super third backup on any team in the NFL.
2: You forgetting about Case Keenum.
1: <laughs> so that was a, uh, you know, you're, you're right, you're right. I I think Trevor Knocked away his mic right there. Case Keenum, of course, the guy who threw the Minneapolis miracle pass. Yeah, I mean, uh, you had Sam Bradford, you had Teddy Bridgewater, and then Case Keenum comes in and saves the day. Are we working again? It's waiting. Okay, so Trevor seems to. Why don't you try and go out and come back in, and then I'll get you back on the broadcast, and we'll go from there. I'll try and uh, I'll try and uh, go solo here as we come in here. But uh, our fourth topic today is going to be about Rick Spielman talking about the one that got away. He was talking about cutting players on his Twitter account, his Instagram account, or TikTok, whatever he's on now. And he eventually got to the player that he regretted cutting the most. And no shocker here, that player was Daniel Carlson. The Vikings traded up for Carlson in 2018. Uh, He missed some preseason kicks. So Mike Zimmer lost his mind and went for two in a preseason game. Hey Trevor, we got you back. We're back. All right. All right. So we're just talking about Daniel Carlson right now. And I'm kind of just going over the backstory. People know uh, Rick Spielman said he was his biggest mistake cut that he ever made while he was Vikings general manager traded up for Carlson in 2018, Missed some preseason kicks. So Zimmer decided to go for two to send a message in true Mike Zimmer fashion, Then he missed three kicks, including two game winners in Green Bay, and they had seen enough. Well, since the start of the 2019 season, Carlson has knocked down 88.7% of his field goal attempts, and he was tied for the league lead with 150 points last season. How much do you regret letting go of Daniel Carlson, Trevor? I mean, he was great, and I'm...
2: I I don't I don't wanna put all the blame on Zimmer, but something may not have been working here and who knows if he could have ever turned it around. I feel like this is just one of those situations where you basically just have to to bite the bullet and and watch someone watch someone go to another team and do well. I feel like mm-hmm. we have been extremely cursed for a while, and Mike Zimmer obviously contributed to that. And, you know, I don't, I'm i not sure if Carlson would have panned out, but, uh, you know, maybe Spielman felt he, uh, let me phrase this correctly, maybe, you know, if Spielman had a different head coach, which he's talked about before, working with his quarterback in Kirk, maybe things would have worked out differently with Carlson. It, it seems like it's a one or the other
1: situation there for him. So I, I, before talking about, I have to be honest because I wanted Carlson off the team in the moment <laughs> and I, and I wonder kind of reading all these things, I, I look back in kind of my memory and I wonder if this game had happened against, I don't know, the Cardinals, let's say Daniel Carlson had the green Bay game against the Cardinals. Uh, are, are we even cutting him? Are we kind of just being like, Hey, write it out. Like I think that things were just amplified because it was against a division rival. It was a season where the Vikings had Super Bowl expectations, and the fans wanted him out. Mike Zimmer wanted it out. I Rick Spielman might have been his only ally in the building, going, "Mike, he's a rookie. He, he's going to be fine. You just got to trust him." And Zimmer going, "No, I want Dan Bailey."
2: Yeah, I've, I mean, they made that trade mid-season.
1: Yeah, they signed. They signed oh, Dan man. Bailey. Right. So it was week three. They cut Carlson, or so Carlson melted down in week two. And the next day they cut him once they got off the plane, basically. And I think it was Chris Thomason asked him. He's like, so uh, why'd you cut Daniel Carlson? And he's like, you saw the game. Mm -hmm. And he goes, was it hard? Nope. (laughs) (laughs) Like I. I, Yeah, I, I think Daniel Carlson walked into Mike Zimmer's office. He was cleaning his shotgun. Like let's have a little talk here. Come on. Let's let's check things out. Yeah, I mean again it's
2: just it's unfortunate but and again that 2019 season, well the 2018 season we were just super snake bit with a bunch of problems with the team. And you know, I think Zimmer's uh Zimmer's patience is wearing thin. Um so yeah, you know, I uh, just it, you know, it's another misfortune in Minnesota.
1: I think, too, you're on to something with the whole he would never was going to succeed here. I I think a kicker eventually can. You think about like outside of the whole bad juju thing. Minnesota would be a great place to kick because you're playing half your games indoors. Mm -hmm. That becomes especially important in December when you're playing in the NFC North. And I, I mean, even look at the division. You have Detroit who has a dome. Chicago might have a dome eventually, whether it's here or in Chicago or Arlington Heights. Uh, Lambeau fields, a bit of a problem, but I mean, I mean, I know they've played at Lambeau in December, like every year for the past five years, but hopefully you get a midseason or an early season game there. I, I think it's a good place to kick in theory. And like we said, Matt Daniels is empowering his special teams. And that includes Greg Joseph. Like, What do you think are your expectations for Greg Joseph this year? I mean, I'm. Biggest thing with kickers is consistency. So,
2: you know, I expect a lot of the same from him. He was how I many? He had two or three game winners last year, and potential game winners. Uh, you know, he was he was extremely consistent. Obviously, there was there was the Arizona game, but he bounced back from that. Won a walk off against Detroit, um, and he seems like he's hitting a lot of longer shots, which we didn't see too many of last season. At least, uh, you know, in like you know, in, in crunch time. So, you know, I guess uh, it's kind of just been building blocks for him. It seems like he has the team behind him and if he's put in that situation.
1: He seems like he has the confidence to, to, you know, probably bring the same, the same results. If the special teams can turn around, and I know Amir Smith-Marset has had trouble with punt returns lately. If they can figure out those couple positions, I think that's going to add a couple of wins. And of course, uh, at the end, the last four minutes of the first half and the end of game, if they can do a little bit better there, uh, I think they'll do fine. Uh, Last question I have for you for the show today. Let's talk about your expectations for the Vikings this year. How good do you think they'll be? What's some of your hot takes? How do you think the Vikings are going to do in 2022?
2: I mean, I, I try to be cautiously optimistic with this team every year. Um, obviously, we get into some really good stretches and you you start to really buy in. Um, but, I mean, as far as what I've seen from the preseason, how the team's being run, uh, you know, I feel pretty confident. I look at our schedule. We have some really nice stretches, especially at the, at the end of the season. We play Detroit, the Giants. Um, and a couple other easy teams that should set us up to contending in the playoffs. Um, I mean, I, I say, I think 10 wins is, is my, is my, is my optimistic side. Right. Um, but you know, the, what, what's guaranteed with the Vikings every year is it's going to be entertaining. Like when you have a quarterback like Kirk cousins, the floor is always there. So it's, again, I feel like we're in that seven to 10 neighborhood and, you know depending on how things work out head to head in the division um i think the packers are going to be tough by all means i think you know everyone's expecting a step back on defense or on offense but the defense is going to be better than ever and uh i think that's going to be like the you know the deciding factor of our, of our matchups and week 1 is going to be tough i'm i'm really uh i'm i'm very uh excited to see or just curious to see how Kevin O'Connell manages a game in this situation, like first home game division rival division champion. Um, you know, it's, it, it can't be uh it can't be higher stakes for, for O'Connell's first game.
1: It is funny. Cause everybody has said basically seven to 10 wins. I, I think that's, Matthew Collard's bit on Purple Insider, where he calls it the hot take challenge. Like, give me a hot take about your Vikings, and be like, they could be really good and, and win ten games. Like, uh, I, I mean, I don't see, I don't see this team cratering. Like, like that's kind of my thing. I, I would be shocked if they wind up showing up next season and winning like three games. Like, I would just be like, what the hell happened? Like, did Kirk die? Did uh, Kevin O'Connell like? lie on his resume like what the hell happened but i could see the vikings either being really good i i could see them getting into 11 or 12 wins uh depending on how everything gels together i could see them you know finishing with nine or ten wins and the thing is if they do finish nine and eight or ten and seven i think this feels a lot better than if you know last year they finished with eight wins and everybody's kind of like just exhausted like getting, I need change. I need something. I think by the end of the year, we're going to look at this team and go, okay, we get, we have kind of a foundation here. Maybe we just need another quarterback. Maybe we need uh, a center or another offensive lineman to put us over the top. Maybe we need to go get a defensive player that can help. I think we're going to get a lot of answers this season. And I think that's going to be a step towards progress. And I think, you know, I've been saying this all throughout the off season, whenever, Uh, Kweisi and Kevin O'Connell kind of make the bland move, but I feel like 2023 is the year where they're really going to put their stamp on this team. And if they Mm -hmm. could build that foundation with a nine or 10 win season, I think a lot of Viking fans are going to be optimistic heading into next year.
2: Yeah. 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 I think this, these next two years with Kirk's extension, is just essentially running it back, same roster, new coach, seeing what, what O'Connell can get out of this group. And you know maybe, maybe they play impassioned with with this new regime and new culture after Zimmer kind of graded everyone thin um and you know, I was also very excited to see what what kind of moves they would make what kind of what kind of uh yeah stamps they would put on it and I think that is kind of being deferred until twenty twenty three twenty twenty four but um yeah again, I think uh I think fans do deserve a little bit of a another another look at this group before
1: any real drastic moves are made for this franchise well trevor thank you for coming on filling in for adam once again we greatly appreciate you having on and uh you know if we ever need a sub we can uh give you a call yeah call me up no problem man hey well that's all the time we have for the viking age podcast today we do this every monday and thursday nights at 6 15 p.m central time right here on the Viking Age YouTube channel. And if you miss it, we got you covered in podcast form the next day on Apple and Spotify. But however you listen, make sure you're liking, subscribing, giving us a good review because we never want you to miss a new episode. For Trevor Squire, I am Chris Shan. We'll see you on Monday on the Viking Age podcast.